As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Okay, we're a growing startup. We got this. And then all of a sudden, October, we went way down. And then November was even further down. And we're like, okay, like, do we even have a business here? Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention FunNet Flip because FunNet Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, so if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and we've got a special segment for you. It is, as you are a loyal best ever listener, no, Skill Set Sunday. We're going to talk about a specific skill by the end of this that you're going to have and you'll be able to apply to your real estate business. We've interviewed, let's see, Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We've talked to Robert Kiyosaki, CPA, Tom Wheelwright, and many, many others. So with us today, we've got Brian Foley from Santa Monica, California. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. 
Yeah, very nice to have you, my friend. And like I like I mentioned, Brian is based in California, and he's a founder of Buddy Truck, which offers cheap moving help and local delivery service on demand. And he'll give us a much more detailed explanation than that. He is a he's someone to pay attention to because he's been named one of four founders under thirty to keep an eye on by Entrepreneur Magazine. Forbes is talking about him, and he's actively building his own company. So. As real estate investors, we are entrepreneurs and we have small businesses and we're choosing to invest in real estate. However, there are plenty of learnings that we can we can take away from people who have businesses, small businesses and startups that are applying the same type of principles that we need to apply in our business. So specifically, what we're going to talk about today and the skill that you're going to come away with is how to scale a startup, how to scale your business. And we're going to talk about, Brian's going to talk about his business in particular, but we're going to be talking through how that relates to real estate investors and how we can scale real estate company from start to, from, from very small to to large. So we're going to learn a lot from Brian. So with that being said, Brian, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks so much. So my name is Brian. I'm 25 years old. I live in Santa Monica, California. This is actually my fifth company. I, um, I started some other stuff. I started a clothing line in college. First thing I started when I was 18 with a friend was a talent agency in Los Angeles. We had a business in college that delivered motorcycles across the United States with Priuses, so that's kind of how I got into transportation. And now Buddy Truck is an app. It's a mobile app that will connect one user who needs something moved with another person who has a truck. So the easiest way to describe it is it's Uber, but it connects you with someone with a truck instead of with a car, and we deliver items, not people. We partner with companies like Target and West Elm, Crate and Barrel, a bunch of real estate people, Risa members who are actually you know, professional home showers, interior designers who need stuff moved or delivered all the time, but they don't drive a truck. So that's kind of where we come in hand. Just like Uber, Lyft, or any of these other sharing economy apps, we allow anyone, any normal you know, person with a truck to become an entrepreneur themselves, work for themselves, set their own hours, and uh, make as little as or as much as they want, depending on how much they work. So we're very excited about it. We launched it last August, so it's October now, so about 14 months ago. We stayed in Los Angeles for the first uh, seven months, and then we launched Austin, Texas, which is our second market. And we are actually currently in the process of opening up market three and four in the next 30 days. We are opening up Orange County Market 3 here in about five days, and then Chicago November 2nd. So a lot of – right now we're just – we're at that point in the business where we've kind of proven our model. We found our niche. We found the best use case and the best customer for us, and now it's all about scaling it out as fast as you can. All right. Well, we want to focus the conversation on scaling, but I really, I have a couple questions about your company because it's, it's intriguing. So the drivers get paid to, if they have a truck, I get paid to go pick up somebody. And how do you determine how much they get paid for the actual moving of things that need to be moved? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So just like Uber or Lyft, we do our pricing based on time and distance. Our thing is, instead of having flat rates, which we feel is unfair, it's more flexible to both the customer and the driver to get paid for their time and for how long they travel. 
So we are a dollar a minute and a dollar a mile. So if I'm moving a couch five miles and that takes 30 minutes, that'd be a $35 delivery. Our average delivery is about 40 to $50. Got it. Okay. And then what if somebody has just like stinky trash and bed bug riddled couches that they want to move? So actually we have taken like stinky trash to the nearest dump. We work with, um, Casper Mattress and other mattress companies that take used mattresses or return mattresses to donation centers. So there are a bunch of uses for having someone with a truck, and that is one of the ones that we do, yes. All right. So now that we know more about your company, let's talk about how you recommend scaling a company and from a startup to bringing it to nationwide, basically. So local to nationwide. You've got experience with clothing lines, talent agencies, delivering motorcycles across the nation, and now Buddy Truck. When you have a company and it's in initial stages, what are the challenges that you come across initially? And then when you scale it, what are the challenges that you come across then? Excellent questions. So I think it kind of all depends on where you are at the stage of the business. I think first, when you have an idea you want to test that your idea works. So you can test it either in a beta test group. If it's an app, you can test it if you're a salesperson by going and knocking on door to door and see if someone would use it. One of the easiest things to do is to create a a survey online like SurveyMonkey and pay people to find out features and products. And then you build either a product or service. And so I think that's stage one. And then once you go from stage one, stage two is finding your customer A lot of times people will build and design their product, but they're never build and design their customer. And you have to almost build both simultaneously. And I don't mean build customers like you're actually replicating people, but you're always trying to find out exactly who needs your product the most. And let me give you an example. When we started Buddy Truck, we started it because I was moving out of my college dorm was going into a house in Santa Monica on Craigslist. I needed help moving my mattress into my room. Couldn't find any friends, so I rented a U-Haul and then ended up crashing the U-Haul into my new roommate's car. And I had never met the girl because I found her on Craigslist. So it made for the most awkward first impression of my life. (laughs) Super awkward, very, very strange. And um, I didn't live there long, by the way. And all all I needed was a buddy with a truck. And so in my mind, when we started Buddy Truck, you know, my mind was, okay, our ideal customer is someone young, maybe a college student, someone just getting out of college, who just needs the help of a buddy with a truck to help them move apartments. And so that's what we did. So we went to UCLA and right here in our backyard in Los Angeles, and we basically went went on campus and we passed out cookies in exchange for app downloads, right? So... One of the things, as soon as you got a product, you got to like capture an audience. You got to build your customer base. It's very important. And we'll get into more when it comes to scaling. But there's there's actually better ways to scale your customer base than to try and do it yourself. That's one of the one of the most important things we've learned. So we we tried to build our customer base by passing out cookies on campus. And hey, if we give you a cookie, you download the app. Guess what? Those cookies are like thirty cents. That's a great acquisition cost for us. 
And what happened is it worked. And we got a lot of UCLA students to use us to move in last August and September when they were moving in for the beginning of the semester. However, then in October, we saw demand plummet. We saw ourselves getting busier and busier and busier. Like, okay, we're a growing startup. We got this. And then all of a sudden, October, we went way down. And then November was even further down. And we're like, okay, like, do we even have a business here? And so we, what we did then is we tried more and more time, less focus on building the product, more focus on building our customer base. And we actually got a little lucky. Whole Foods here in the area, where I have a lot of, a lot of friends, they were offering Christmas trees for the first time, and they needed a partner to deliver all these Christmas trees to their customers' houses who were buying them. So we were like, okay, let's do it. And we partnered with one store, and in the first weekend, that store did more deliveries for Buddy Truck than we had all of October and November combined. We're like, okay, wow. Like, this is great. And then the next weekend, another store came on, and we kind of blew up in December. And one thing about startups or anything else, you raise money while you're hot. So we raised another round in December of last year, a good seed round that we were well overfunded for. And then starting in January, we really kind of hit the ball on, okay, we are going to go to small to medium-sized businesses or retail locations, and we're going to tell them about Buddy Truck. Why? Well, most retailers lose money on delivery. Restoration hardware, for example, they lose about $50 million a year on delivery. It's based delivery to a retail location like a Target, a West Elm, a Crate and Barrel, a Ikea. It's a expense on the income sheet. It's, it's a net loss. So what we did was we found a way to offset that delivery charge allow their customer to get a cheaper delivery option that they pay for and not the company. Because what most people don't know is that these Ikeas and Targets and West Elms are actually paying the third-party delivery company much more money than they actually charge the customer. So if they charge the customer $150 for delivery and the customer complains, little do they know that West Elms getting charged $250 for that delivery. So, so what we did is we, we found a cheaper way to do it. And the other option, the other thing that was happening is these stores were losing customers because these customers were saying, oh, it's going to take you three to five business days to deliver my couch. Well, I want it now. I'm going to go buy it online. I'm going to go buy it at another store. So instead, we gave them the option to, hey, you can tell them if they use Buddy Truck, they'll get it home in 30 minutes. And they're like, oh, wow, like that's that's impressive. So now you can pay 150 bucks and wait three to five business days, or you can pay $30 and get it home in 30 minutes. I'm going to use Buddy Truck. And so what we did was we ended up bypassing, I guess, our end user, who would be the customer at the store buying the couch, and sold to the businesses who needed to use us all the time because their delivery option was either too expensive and was turning away customers or was too slow and inconvenient, which was also turning away customers. So that's, that's what I mean by kind of building out your customer base. So I would say stages for business, you design a product. Once you design a product, you design a customer base, find out who your customer is. And that's one of Buddy Truck's customers. Another big customer of Buddy Truck is an interior designer. Interior designers are always looking to show rooms and show floor rooms and switch out items. Right. And so they use Buddy Truck all the time. So the mobile app makes a lot of sense because they're using it frequently. It's a really good customer for Buddy Truck. So as you see, we spent we spent a lot of time in the beginning developing the product. And although we still do a lot of development, a lot of app design and product design, we are we are equally doing at the same time on more of a parallel path like 
customer focus, like who's our customer, what do they look like, what do they do, what's their use cases, what's their pain points, how does Buddy Truck solve that? And once you have that, then, and you found a way to use the product you have to capture the audience you want, then it's time to scale. And that's, that's where Buddy Truck currently is in its business model or business life cycle. It's fresh on my mind. I wanted to share it. We've tried a bunch of different things as far as how to scale Buddy Truck the most efficient way. And I'll get into more of that in a second. But ideally, that's the stage of business where you're like, okay, let's scale it out. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed that in my own uh, career with, with real estate as far as you really plugged into a distribution channel that was larger than you had access to with Whole Foods. Right. And that's what, that, that's what was the key. And you know, I was blogging before I had a podcast. And it's one thing to have a blog and talk to people, um, you know, talk to my mom, quite frankly, and maybe my sister and my dog. <laughs> who look at the blog post, but right. it's another thing to plug into iTunes and the, you know, the, the billions of people or many millions of people who subscribe to podcasts and, ch- you know, plug into a larger distribution channel. So with real estate investing, it really is important when we're thinking about how we scale our business to look at the larger distribution channels that are already established and then, and then see where we can plug in. Um, now, now let's talk a little bit about how to scale. You mentioned that at this point, now it's time to scale. How, what's the best way to do that. Yeah, I think you actually kind of hit the nail on the head. It's piggybacking off of distribution centers or companies or brands that have, in my opinion, the best way to do it is to piggyback off of their brands and their their user base and to find a way to share users or end customers. And the way I say that, let me let me give you kind of like a brief background of the Buddy Truck business model and what early investors and venture capitalists were saying about Buddy Truck. So, you know, we get described unfairly, fairly or unfairly, it's, it's flattering sometimes, as the Uber for moving or the Uber for truck delivery or whatever it may be. Now, whenever you're talking to investors who are looking to fund your business, and I highly, highly recommend if you can, and I know real estate's a little bit different, but to try and get people to fund your, fund your project, even your real estate project, because not because, you know, you don't have the capital to do it yourself, but because whenever you ask someone for money, the more important questions come out and it actually helps you, even if you don't raise any money, helps you kind of tailor your business model until it is, I guess, quote unquote, investor ready. So I always recommend that. So one of the things we got asked a lot, which most marketplace apps get, you know, us or Postmates or Instacart, is we get asked, how much does it cost to acquire a customer and what's the lifetime value of that customer? And the larger the gap between the customer acquisition cost and the lifetime value, the more profitable like, the business is. Well, you know, Uber and Lyft are very, they spend about $500 acquiring customers, and, which, is, which is fine. They can do that because if, even if Uber is making 2 to $3 per ride, if you're using it five times a week and you're going to use it for the next five years, your lifetime value is in the thousands or tens of thousands. So that $500 acquisition cost really makes a lot of sense. With Buddy Truck, when we first started going in, we said, hey, we're going to acquire our customers on social media or on campus or whatever. And they're going to use Buddy Truck a couple times a year to move, maybe once to move into their dorms and another to move out or once to move and the next time they need to buy a couch. Anyway, the lifetime value of a Buddy Truck customer, because our average delivery was 40 to $50, we were taking a 20 to 30% cut. 
So we're making about eight to ten dollars. They may use it three to five times. You know, if the lifetime value is only thirty to fifty dollars, how do you effectively market or advertise to these people and acquire them for less than that? You have to acquire them for either pennies or, or you know, a couple of dollars, which didn't make a lot of sense. So I think, and the reason I bring this up is because I think most people, when they start a business, they think it's their job to kind of build their audience, like from the ground up. Okay, I have a new clothing line. My clothing line is for fitness enthusiasts who play tennis. I'm going to create, you know, polos for tennis players to wear during playing that allows them the air to breathe through so they don't sweat and get pit stains on their clothes or something like that. And they think they got to organically, like, find people who play tennis or spend money advertising on social media to tennis players, etc. And that ends up costing a lot of money. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The real kind of secret to scaling is finding these distribution centers or these people with much larger pre-existing audiences that you can kind of piggyback off of. A famous example of this, Airbnb, they got themselves off the ground. Because when original people were posting their house or their room on Airbnb, Airbnb had a feature to dual post it on Craigslist. Because at the time, Craigslist is the way most people were finding couches to sleep on or bed and breakfast or et cetera. So in the beginning, they said post Airbnb and it'll automatically dual post this to Craigslist. And that's how they acquired their first couple customers using a distribution center like Craigslist that was much larger than their own. And how we've done that with Buddy Truck is we partnered with people like Target, for example, who's our nationwide partner. This was created the, you know, the Minneapolis corporate level. And they said to us, hey, we're going to open up in L.A. We said, great, here we go. And then about, you know, two months ago after our L.A. pilot went so well, they said, we have another 25 stores in Orange County. We want to get there October 15th. Can you get, can you, you know, launch the city that fast? We run the numbers, we see how much it costs us, you know, additionally to run a new market per month. We see the additional revenue stream per month, and we make a decision. So we were able to, and, you know, in, in Orange County's case and in Chicago's case, Chicago, we had a, a, a partnership with Casper Mattress, Value City Furniture, and West Elm. And in, in Orange County, or excuse me, in Orange County, we had Target. And these partnerships alone make these new markets profitable if they do the demand we're thinking from month one. So, you know, in a perfect world, they'll probably be profitable in the first 60 to 90 days. Instead of having to build the audience organically city to city, we are able to piggyback off of a pre-existing nationwide partnership like Target and allow them to create demand for us from day one. Beautiful, beautiful. And yeah, I think that's a great business model, great approach. And this has been a, a, a wonderful conversation. And there's so many parallels to real estate and what you're doing, what the best ever listeners are doing. I mean, one of them, as you mentioned, as I talked about, or picked up on after you mentioned it was plugging into a large distribution channel. Number one, don't don't try and create your audience from scratch, find where the large audiences already exist, and then see what you can do to partner. I mean, it's one of the things that one of the reasons why my podcast has grown like it has, is because I interview guests on a daily basis every day of the week. And whenever their interview goes live, they then send it out to their friends. Exactly. So it's constantly promoting. It's got a built-in promotional model into it. And another thing that you you were mentioning was that 
It's clear that you know how other companies have been successful in the space. I mean, you mentioned the Airbnb case study and posting it automatically to Craigslist as well and and having that reference point so that you can apply it to your business. And similar to real estate investors, we've got to know what other how others have successfully done what we want to do and then see what we can pull from them. And then knowing how Uber and Lyft, you know, spending $500 per customer acquisition, as you mentioned in your case, well, knowing how other people people in our industry are acquiring and ideally if we can get the cost per acquisition which isn't likely but at least we have a sense of what their their cost per acquisition is if we talk to them or talk to people who know them then we know if we're in the ballpark and and how we approach things and lastly just the overall hustle that you have where you're selling cookies for 30 cents or you know selling your trade excuse me you're trading cookies for app downloads and you mentioned well the cookies are 30 cents well you're also your time as well but that's a great point yeah, at that point, it's it's less about your time. It's more about just making it happen. So it's just the overall hustle that's involved too. And as I'm sure you, know, you clearly know with, with five businesses. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking through how to, how to build a company, how to scale it. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash best ever.